All right. Well, as Joe said, my name's Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here. It is great to have you here with us today. And if you've been with us since we started this school year, both on the campus side and on the city side, we've been working our way through this series that we're calling Collide. And, and really the hope of the series has been to uh, introduce our church and reintroduce our church to the idea of who Jesus is. And so we've been walking through uh, many of the different passages in the Gospels and and, and allowing them to speak to us and, and watching these kind of collisions happen where Jesus comes into contact with these people for the first time and we get to see how the collision course of Jesus coming into contact with them really changes their lives. And that's why we titled this series uh, Collide because we know that when a collision happens, everything changes afterwards. Things can't go back to being the same. And the same is true with each one of these stories as we're walking through this series. And so uh, we are excited today to continue on. We have a couple weeks left. Next week it's going to be a really powerful Sunday. We're excited about it because after our fall retreat, um, Pastor John Draghi, who's going to be our speaker, is going to come and share with us. And he's a man, if you've followed any of our social media, who's an alumni here at uh, Bowling Green. But um, he, he finds himself in a position that, that many of us can't imagine find ourselves in. He actually got diagnosed with brain cancer about three or four months ago. And so he's going to be coming and sharing with us and kind of walking us through his journey journey of what God has been teaching him uh, on that journey, and, and we're so excited to continue on with the series beyond that. But today, specifically, we are talking about a passage uh, in the book of Luke where Jesus calls his disciples for the first time. If, if, you, if you follow Jesus, if you read the Gospels, you know that Jesus had 12 different disciples. And in each one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's this account of how Jesus calls his original disciples. And it's like this moment where he is choosing them or he's picking them and he's specifically calling them out and saying, hey, I want you to come with me and follow me in a way that is going to change the world for the rest of human history. And so we get to see that passage today where Jesus chooses specifically Peter and we're going to get to see Peter's response. Now, as we think about Jesus choosing or picking his disciples, maybe those words kind of resonate with you a little bit because as humans, you know, we all love the idea of being chosen, don't we? We all love the idea of being picked or set apart or, or pulled out for a specific purpose. Uh, some of the TV shows we watch, they're kind of infamous for this, right? You know, maybe you, you watch American Idol or America's Got Talent. And if you've ever seen those shows, um, when the judges choose somebody, when they pick somebody, the reaction is just like wild, right? Because these people have been working all their life to, to show and share their gift with the world. And when they finally get picked or when they finally get chosen, they are just so ecstatic. You know, they can't believe it that they get to move on to the next level. Or maybe you're familiar with a, a common thing that, that at least in my growing up we did a lot of times. We would pick different sports teams, right? And, and for every athletic kid, it was like a great experience. And for every unathletic kid, it was like their nightmare, right? If you remember that, some of us are like, I know, why are you bringing that back up? I just, you know, got done processing through that. But, you know, for, for me, we had dodgeball every Friday in, in high school. And so every time you pick team captains and you'd start picking and the same kids would get picked first and the same kids would get picked last every time. Well, when I was in high school, I was more of an athletic person and so I would usually either be one of the captains or, or get picked at the top of the picking order. But as I've gotten older, you know, that has changed. Gravity has caught up and, um, and, and so I was over playing basketball on campus. It was a couple years ago now on the Kreischer basketball courts and there was a 
bunch of college people playing, and uh, they decided that there was going to be a pickup game, and so they did the same thing you do in elementary school. There were captains, and they started picking, and I started doing the math in my head. I'm looking around at the people playing, and I thought, I might get picked last. And so they start picking through, you know, the different orders. And, you know, I'll take him, I'll take him, I'll take him. And I'm just kind of standing there. And, and all of a sudden, I realize it's like the eighth pick, and I still hadn't been picked yet. And lo and behold, I got picked 10th out of 10. And so uh, some of us, we can relate to that. We can relate to getting picked first, or we can relate to maybe not getting picked at all or getting picked last. But here's the, the powerful thing about the story that we're going to see today is that when Jesus comes on the scene, he invites every single one of us to be part of his mission. He invites all of us to come on this amazing adventure and journey with him. In fact, that's our big idea. Our big idea is this. When we collide with Jesus, he invites us into a life of purpose and meaning. When we collide with Jesus, he picks us, he chooses us to come on an amazing mission and journey with him. And man, when we do, there are powerful things that happen, and we get to see those things play out firsthand. That's the story that we're going to look at. So with that being said, if you want to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 5, that's where we're going to be spending our time today, Luke chapter 5, and we're going to stop a couple times throughout this passage and pull out some different things that I think God would want us to learn. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, one day, as Jesus was standing at the lake of Garcinath, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who is Peter. Peter's his nickname. Simon's his actual name. The one belonging to Simon Peter. And he asked him to put out a little from the shore, and then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. I want to just stop right there because I think it actually leads us to our first thing we can learn from this. And the first thing is this, that God wants to use us. That Jesus wants to use us and he wants to invite us into his mission. Now you may ask the question, well, how do you get this from this story? Well, what was going on here is this isn't the first time that, that Simon Peter had met Jesus. He had seen him before. He had saw him performing miracles. But, but Peter was just minding his own business. He was just doing his day job. Actually, it was his night job because it says he was fishing all throughout the night. But Peter was just taking care of what he was supposed to do. He was out fishing. He had come in from the night from an extremely long period of time of fishing all through the night, and he hadn't caught anything. And all of a sudden, he comes back out from the middle of the lake, and he sees Jesus, and Jesus is on the shore, and he's teaching these people, and he's imparting wisdom and knowledge to them, and this crowd is pretty big. And so Jesus says, I can't really see the whole crowd. I can't get my message out to the whole crowd in the position I'm standing in, so I need a way to get my message to all of these people. And he sees Peter's boat, and he jumps in Peter's boat. Without even asking him, he just jumps in Peter's boat. And he says, I need you to take me out into the sea, into this lake a little bit. Now, it's interesting. Jesus, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he is the God of the universe. But you have to question his manners a little bit there, right? I'm one of those guys that if you sit down and eat with me and you have a French fry, I'm just going to take it right off your plate and eat it. Well, that's what Jesus was doing here to Peter. Because he just grabs his boat and says, I want you to take me out into the middle of this lake so that I can talk to people. 
Now, have you ever thought a little bit more in depth about what Jesus was doing here? Because you have to remember, Jesus was in the middle of performing a lot of miracles. Jesus was in the middle of kind of setting the tone and proving to the world who he was. Have you ever asked the question, why didn't Jesus use the supernatural power, the divinity that existed within him to just walk on water right in that moment? Because later on in the Gospels, he walked on water. So why didn't he, he just walk out on the water? He needed a way to get out into the water. Well, why didn't he just walk there? Instead, he says, Peter, I want to use your boat. And the reason is because God wanted to use Peter and invite him into the mission that he was a part of. You see, the creator who had created that very sea, who had created that ocean, who created Peter, wanted to use his creation, Peter, in that sea to get his word out to the people that needed to hear about the love and the hope that God had for him. And so when, when Jesus says to Peter, I, I want to use your boat, he's saying, listen, I want to bring you along in this amazing mission that I have. I want to invite you to be some part of something that's so much greater than yourself, that's so much more powerful than you can ever imagine. And your boat is the tool that I'm going to use to get my message out to the people who need to hear it. And I think about that example. You know, Jesus went for something that was pretty important to Peter. It was his livelihood. It was something that he needed in order to, to make a living. It was his boat. He was a, a fisherman. And Jesus said, I'm going to use that. And I wonder about for, for each one of us, as we think about our lives and we think about all that God has blessed us with, are we willing to allow God to use everything we have in order to get his message of the gospel out to the world around us? Or are we willing to say, like Peter did, okay, Jesus, you know, you didn't even ask, but okay, uh, I'll go ahead and, and take you out into the middle of the, the lake so that you can get your message out. As you think about your life, as you think about the gifts that you have, as you think about the maybe platform that you have, as you think about the job that you have or the opportunities that God has blessed you with, are you willing to be open-handed with them and allow God to say, listen, I want to use those things to get my message out to the world around. I want to use you, my creation, to bring other people into my family. See, that's the starting point of this story. Jesus says, Peter, I want to use you and I want to use everything you have for a mission and a purpose that is so much greater than yourself. See, God wants to use us. He wants to use each and every one of us. And the question is, are we going to say yes to him? Are we going to be open-handed with our, with our stuff, with our possessions, with, with everything that God has blessed us with? Or are we going to say, no, no, that's, that's actually mine. Hands off of, of that, Jesus, okay? That's a little bit too important for me to allow you to use it. Will we be open-handed or will we be close-handed when God enters into our world, when he collides with us and he says, will you partner with me in taking this message to people who desperately need it? Let's jump back into the story because some, some pretty cool things start to happen. Verse four, it said, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon, Peter, answered him, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when he had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. 
And so they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and they filled the boat so full that they began to sink. See, it leads us to our, our second point is this, that, that obedience leads to abundance. Obedience leads to abundance. Do you see how Peter said yes, first of all, to using the boat, but then beyond that, he said yes to doing something that didn't make a lot of sense, okay? Because, again, remember, Peter was the fisherman. Jesus was the religious guy. But Jesus, the religious guy, starts giving the fishermen advice on how to catch fish. And, and, and so you have to almost picture this scene and think Peter was probably almost like humoring Jesus. Yeah, he knew that he could do miracles, but he didn't really know who Jesus was quite yet. And so Jesus, this religious guy, gets into his boat and says, hey, I want you to go out into the, the middle of this, this lake, this sea, and I want you to put your nets out. Now, that may sound fine to us, but, but during those times, we can tell from history that, that fishermen, especially in that area, they fished at night because we know that Peter came in from fishing all night long. So they usually caught fish at night and then they fished along the shore because the fish would come in at night to, to catch the smaller fish. And so the two things that Peter knew about fishing, you fish at night and you fish along the shore, Jesus said, do the exact opposite. I want you to go out into the deep and I want you to put your nets down during the middle of the day. It didn't make any sense at all, but Peter was obedient. And man, it led to abundance, didn't it? It led to this abundant catch. Now, obviously, we have to be careful when we say that obedience leads to abundance because uh, this is not a church that teaches health and wealth and prosperity and that as long as you name it and claim it, then God will give you everything that you want because that's not what the Bible is saying here at all. But what Jesus shows us over and over and over again is that his plans are always better than ours. That when we obey him, we can trust that there is an abundant life in that command that he gives us. I think it's so funny that, that Jesus called his disciples and he used these, these fishermen, you know, these fishing stories and fishing examples. And in, in modern times, we typically, when we say somebody has a fishing story, we mean that they're about to exaggerate something, right? Because, because a lot of times, you know, uh, modern day fishermen, uh, I don't know why they do it, but they, they exaggerate how big a, of a fish that they catch. I actually don't understand fishing at all, just to be real honest, just to give you a, I know I'm offending some of you because you probably love it, but but to me, like just casting a pole and sitting and waiting for hours, like it's not my idea of fun. Um, I like to like go out and do something. I like to be active. But, but, but some people, they just love to, to go cast a pole and, and watch and wait for something to happen. A couple years ago, my father-in-law, he's a fisherman as well, and, uh, and he wanted to take me and Rob Warren, who was my co-pastor at the time, on this charter fishing experience. And so we were like, oh, okay, that sounds fun. Well, he wanted to do it in Wisconsin. Rob was planning in a church in Wisconsin, so it worked out well. We teamed it up with a, a vision trip to, to go and check out Madison that they are planted at now, and, and the church is doing awesome and amazing things. So we drove up to, to this area in, in Wisconsin, and as we were driving up, I'm telling you, the weather was like perfect. It was beautiful. It was amazing, and we get to this little cabin and this place where we're about to go on this charter fishing experience on this lake up in Wisconsin, and we sit down for lunch. We got there a couple hours early, and the weather could not have been better, and as we're sitting there eating our lunch, I, I kid you not, like 10 minutes before we were about to go out, this massive storm just blows in, 
And, and it completely ruins our experience. So we called the guy who's going to take us out on the charter. My father-in-law had paid for it all and treated us. And he's like, there's no way we can possibly go out on, on the lake right today. There's no possible way. Okay, that's fine. We, we stayed the night. We, we got up the next day. And the storm was still there. And we went out for like 10 minutes. And, and we couldn't even like go out into the lake because the waves were so high and so bad. And so uh, this experience that we were so excited about ended up getting ruined by the weather. And here's what my father-in-law said to me. Uh, he's, not, he's not a big churchgoer. He said this, aren't you guys pastors? Like, don't you have any pool with God in this experience? Like, why in the world? I spent a bunch of money, you know, and he was joking, but I think he was kind of also partially serious. Like, this was like almost like a trip of a lifetime. You know, we just drove hours and hours to go on this experience and go fishing. Aren't you guys religious? Like, isn't God supposed to do things for you? And I was thinking about that experience, and a lot of times that's what we think it means, you know. Oh, oh. I'm trying to follow God. He should give me what I want, you know? He should make my fishing trips go great. He should allow the, me to catch the biggest fish that I possibly can. Listen, God's abundance doesn't always look exactly like what we think it looks like. But our obedience to him will always lead to a full, amazing life. You see, it doesn't always mean that our bank accounts will be overflowing. It doesn't always mean that our fishing nets will just be so full of fish like Jesus did right here. But what it does mean is that we will live in the hope and the peace and the joy that comes from knowing that we're walking with God. See, when God gives us a command to follow, when God tells us something, it is for our good. It is because he loves us. It is because he cares for us. It is because he wants us to have abundant life. Did you catch what, what Peter said to Jesus? Jesus says, go do two things that don't make any sense. Go do two things that are kind of ridiculous. Go fish in the middle of the lake in the middle of the day. Doesn't make any sense. And Peter is like, um, Jesus, we just fished all night. We didn't catch anything. But then did you catch what he says here? Did you catch how he said it in verse in verse 5, he says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so, Jesus. Doesn't make any sense at all. I know, fishing. But because you say so, I'm going to say yes. Jesus, when you ask me to obey, when you ask me to do something, whether it makes sense in my mind or not, because you say so, I'm going to do it. You know, and so oftentimes we look at the disciples and it's easy to rip on them because they said and did some things that didn't make a lot of sense. But here is a time in Scripture where we should actually follow the example of Peter. When God asks us to do something, no matter how hard, no matter how stretching the obedience may be, can we say, God, because you say so. I want you to, to give up that sin that you've been struggling with, that secret sin. I want you to confess it to somebody. And, and we are so tempted to say, I just can't do it. But, Lord, because you say so. For those of us who are married and maybe we're in a situation where we're struggling in our relationship and we're just tempted to almost like turn our back away. But God says, no, no, this, my mar this marriage is a gift to you. Okay, God, because you say so, I'm going to press in. And I'm going to forgive. And I'm going to pursue my spouse because you say so. Maybe some of us, we just need to surrender our lives to him. Surrender our boats, as Peter had to do, to him. 
and it's hard because we want to have a grip on it. Can we look at what Peter did and follow his example? Lord, because you say so, then I can do it. See, if we're not willing to do something that may seem ridiculous, that may seem kind of hard in the moment, then we may never see the miraculous power that God has to heal and work in our lives. Unless we're willing to do something that may seem almost ridiculous to ourselves and to the world around us, then we may not get to experience the abundance and the blessing that God has. That's what faith actually is. See, Peter didn't have a moment of clarity here. He had a moment of faith. He didn't know what the result was going to be of saying yes to Jesus, saying because you say so, but he did it anyway. And see, if there's a step of faith that we're resisting, then there's also probably a blessing that we are missing and not enjoying in our life. If there's a step of faith that we're just like resisting and saying, God, I just don't know if I can do that, then we can be sure that on the other end of that, there's probably some type of blessing. Again, it may not look exactly like what we think, but there is a blessing that God has in calling us to be obedient. And if we're not able to say yes to that, then we're not able to experience the full abundance that God has for us. When God tells us to do something, it's because he's inviting us into an amazing relationship and a mission with him. And man, there is nothing better than that. So obedience, it leads to abundant life when we say yes to God. Let's jump back into this final section. Right after the boats were so full, they began to sink. Then it all kind of clicks for Peter. Then he realized what his yes actually was yes to. In verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions, they were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee and, and Simon Peter's partners. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up to the shore and left everything and followed him. Third, I want you to know this. Faith and fear, they go together. Faith and fear actually go together. Have you ever thought about that? You know, we, we talk a lot about fear. We sing a lot about how, how, how fear isn't something that we can, can, can bow to. And yet, if you really look and think about your life, faith and fear go together. Oftentimes people say uh, uh, fear is the opposite of faith. I don't necessarily think that that is true. Listen, uh, fear isn't necessarily the opposite of faith. Inactivity is. Inaction. Lack of obedience. That's the opposite of faith. See, what Jesus saw here in Peter was that he was afraid to say yes. But Jesus said, that's not going to stop you from following me. The problem with fear isn't the, the reaction of fear. The problem with fear is when we give into it and we let, us, let it stop us from doing what we know God wants us to do, right? And is it really faith if you're not a little bit afraid? Like every big step of faith I've ever taken in my life, I've been scared to do. Every big step of faith we've taken with this church or with our network or as we planted churches or if I've served or I've went on mission trips, I've been a little bit scared. And so just because you have fear doesn't mean that you don't have faith. 
The opposite of, of faith isn't fear, but the opposite of faith is disobedience. And so as we see Peter having some fear in this moment, he doesn't let the fear stop him from following Jesus. And that's a powerful lesson for us to learn. See what Peter says? He says right away as he falls down, he says, go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. I think when we really come face to face with Jesus, when we really collide with him, that's a natural response for every single one of us. If you've truly had a collision with Jesus and, and, and encounter him, then the first reaction is, I'm not worthy, God. I'm truly not worthy because that is the right reaction. Because God is amazing. He's perfect. He's holy. And when we see him for who he really is, our reaction is to, to realize that we aren't there at all. But do you catch Jesus' response? Because what Peter said is true, but Jesus is like, I'm not going to leave you there. Listen. You may not be worthy, but the gospel truth is that even though we are not worthy, Jesus makes us worthy. That's the power of the gospel. That's what sets Christianity apart from any other faith system, is we don't have to keep trying to work our way back to God. But the power of the gospel is that Jesus makes us worthy when he went to the cross. Because he lived a perfect life that none of us could live. He was worthy. And yet he went to the cross and he suffered and he was crucified and he was killed and then he was buried. But on the third day he rose again. He defeated death. And when he rose again, he offered that perfect life, that worthiness that only he has to each and every person who says yes to him. What a powerful truth that we get the privilege of living in. Yeah, we're not worthy but listen, we don't have to be afraid anymore because when we say yes to Jesus, we get to walk with him and we get to be part of advancing his mission. What a powerful blessing to experience. You see, what Jesus is saying is inherent in saying yes to me, inherent in, in knowing who I am and following me and receiving the truth of the gospel is also inviting other people into it. Hey, Peter, Come and follow me. Don't be afraid. We're going to start fishing for people now. I have a new mission for you. It's not to fill your nets with fish. I got that taken care of already. Do you see how easy it was for me? But I want to use you, the creator, Jesus. He created it all. Wants to use the creation, you and me, to bring other people into his family. It's a natural response that happens when we say yes to God, when we realize our unworthiness, but the beautiful gift of the gospel that God calls us worthy, and we get to walk in that, and then we get to offer it to other people. You see, when we collide with Jesus, that meaning and that purpose, it stays with us. And I look at this story, and I don't think God is calling every single one of us to, to leave our nets behind or leave our boats behind. I don't think God is calling every single one of us to, to go into vocational ministry and, and be a pastor. He's calling some of us to do that for sure. And, and that is an amazing gift. But he's also calling a lot of us right where we are, in the place that God has given us, in the profession that he has gifted us with, to leave our nets, but stay there and invite people into a relationship with him. He's called us to walk with him and take the light that he gives all of his believers and invite others into this amazing mission that God has given us. Man, as I think about the power of this story, our hope and our prayer for our church, 
for every single one of us is that we would see the beauty of the gospel. We would see the beauty of knowing that we're not worthy, but knowing that God calls us that, and then saying, how could I not give that away? How could I not want to welcome other people into that amazing experience? See, Peter did it, so much so that he would end up giving his life. You know, Jesus gave his life, but Peter himself was crucified. History tells us he was actually crucified upside down. He would give everything to follow Jesus. And I wonder about us. You know, it started with a simple yes. All right, Jesus, you can use my boat. (laughs) Sure, go ahead and take it. Sure, I'll paddle you out into the middle of that lake so that you can get your message out. And as the story progressed, it was another yes. I'll I'll put my nets where you say that that maybe they should go. Doesn't make any sense, but but I'll do it. And then it was a third yes. I'm going to follow you with everything that I have. Can we answer like Peter did? If you say so, Jesus, if you say so. It may mean something different for every single one of us, but that yes, step after step, yes, Jesus, yes, I'm going to follow you. And when we fall short, coming right back and realizing it's not about us, but it's about him and what he's done for us, the power of the gospel goes out through us. That's the amazing truth that comes from worshiping this risen and living Savior, Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us and ask that God would give us the strength to take his message to those around us.